Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. All right, the revolutionary Jesus we're rediscovering. Hey, I hope you've been enjoying the morning uh, version Bible devotions. And today we started our second one of that, of Mark. So how do you find that? As you go to the Father's House uh, website, scroll down through there, and we're in part two, Mark Explained. Man, it's been good. I've taken notes and learned some things, and so I hope you do that and be part of our morning time together. Wednesday night, I hope you come. I'm going to be teaching uh, the new step four because we knew that uh, people would say, well, I missed out on step four when I went through growth track. So I'm going to actually teach that on Wednesday night. And it's about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, that after we find our place and where we fit, we need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'll be doing that. We'll also be ordaining Pastor Chris, he's been licensed for a year. We'll be ordaining him, and we'll be commissioning and praying for Simone as she is uh, uh, on her journey. Well, be sure that you grab a pen from somewhere, okay? There's pens in the back. You'll need that. I know some of you never take notes, but today I'm going to ask you to get a pen, and I'm going to ask you to fill out a couple of things that's very important. If you don't want to take notes, you don't have to take notes, but I'm going to ask you a couple of things, very strategic, and it's life-changing for you and for somebody you know. So if you will, be sure you get a pen or uh, borrow your wife's lipstick or eyebrow thing, whatever. Uh, do something, all right? So we do that. Hey, turn with me to Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. We're going to start there. And uh, if you have your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, your notes, whatever you have, let's hold it up and let's say this together. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Father, we thank you today as we approach your word. <clears throat> Even though, Lord, I've been planning this and working on this for uh, several weeks, they're just words without your anointing. But I know your anointing abides, and I know your word carries an anointing. But I also know that it's important that, that we have ears to hear and that the soil of our heart is ready to receive your word. So, Lord, I pray that my heart would be sensitive to what you want to say today. Help me to say everything you want me to say and not say anything I shouldn't say. Lord, help us as we look at the Scripture today, as we look with our Bible into the Scripture, that you speak to us things that maybe is not even in the notes today. And, Lord, our end is this, that you would be glorified today in this teaching and in our response to you at the end of this teaching. In the name of Jesus, amen. You've heard the expression, through the roof? That usually talks about when prices are going sky high or tempers are flaring or something is going up. But today, in Mark chapter 2, when we talk about through the roof, it's a story of a guy that was paralyzed and his friends bring him through the roof to Jesus, or roof, however you say that. Roof or roof? How do you say that? Roof? How many say rough? That's, that's Alabama and Tennessee, right? We got that. Rough. We go up to the roof. No, it's not a dog. Rough. It's the roof. Sorry, I got sidetracked. Mark chapter 2. 
And again, he entered Capernaum after some days. Hey, let me just make a, a reference because somebody asked me this last week. Look at chapter 1, verse 45. It says that uh, Jesus told a man, go tell no one. And then it says that Jesus could no longer openly come into the city, and he had to live in the deserted place. Uh, and again, the reminder of that is that the Jews were very messianic-focused. I mean, they were looking for the Messiah to come. And then so Jesus did not want to preclude his cross for people saying, we're going to overthrow the Roman government, and Jesus is the Messiah, and all these miracles would get in the way of, of Jesus' teaching the word. But then we read in Mark chapter 5, in which we'll look at in a, a, a week or so, and he says to the man there, go and tell everybody what I've done to you. The difference is location. In, chapter, in, in the passage that we looked at last week, they were in a Jewish setting, and there was a messianic excitement about the Messiah. But in chapter 5, they're in a Gentile setting. And so the Gentiles didn't have that same messianic fervor. And so he says to him, I want you to go tell. And then I'll share with you the week that we do that. And you're going to hear a powerful testimony on that Sunday. I think it's February the 20th, a powerful testimony of someone that's very important to God. You're going to hear that. And you're going to find out that this man went to 10 Gentile cities in the area of the Decapolis, and he became a missionary there. So I think, I hope that will help us somewhat. So in chapter 2, Again, he entered Capernaum after some days. We don't know how long it was. And it was heard that he was in the house. Remember Mark's favorite word immediately, right? Euthos. Immediately, many gathered together. It's, it's Peter's house, really. It's a private home. So that there was no longer room, say no longer room, to receive them, not even near the door. I mean, you couldn't even stand outside the door. It's packed way out there. There's like 10 or 12 or 20 deep. And Jesus preached the word to them. This wasn't a healing service. It was a teaching, preaching time. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when, he had broken, when they had broken through, they let him down on a bed or on a mat that he was living on and begging from. And Jesus saw their faith. He saw whose faith? The men's faith, the four men. And he said to them, and he said to him, the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And some of the scribes were sitting there, look at this, reasoning in their hearts, or they're thinking this in their mind. They're not saying it out loud. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within themselves, and he said, okay, if you want to reason about things, let me give you something to reason about. Why do you reason about these things in your heart? Which is easy. I mean, that's, that's pretty important. That when you come to church, Jesus not only hears what you say, but he hears what you're thinking. Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic? Your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he turns to the paralytic and says, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately, he arose, took up the bed. Listen to this. He hasn't walked all of his life. He's a grown man. 
I mean, don't you have to practice how to walk? Immediately, he gets up. No period of restoration. He's made whole with the ability to walk, run, jump, whatever he wants. And immediately he arose, took up his bed, went out of the presence of them all. Read it with me. So that all were amazed. Read it with me. So that all were amazed and glorified God, saying... So Jesus is in a private residence, uh, probably Peter's home. By now, the word Jesus has become a household word. He's been healing now for some time, setting captives free, teaching, and sharing the good news. And so there's four men that heard that Jesus was back in Capernaum and that he was in the house of Peter. So they're excited that Jesus is there, but their excitement is not about themselves. Their excitement is about a friend who is a paralytic who couldn't get to Jesus on his own. And so when they thought about that, they went to his house and they found him. There he was on the mat. And they tied two ropes to the end of that mat, um, four ropes. And then they picked him up and they carried him to the house where Jesus was. So when they got there, they tried to get in. And remember, there's like 10, 20 people deep at the front door. And there's no back door. And so they're trying to get in. Excuse me, excuse me. We have somebody here with a need. Excuse me. And they said, get to the back of the line. You know, do you have a pass that gets beyond us? And so they couldn't get through. Can you imagine how disappointed they were? Because everybody's on the inside. They want to hear a teaching. But here's somebody who couldn't get to Jesus on his own. Maybe he didn't even know that or maybe he'd been dreaming but he thought about how, how can I move do, do can I crawl by the time I crawl there he, he might be gone and then I, I would miss him so so his friends carried him carried him to there and they're excited about that we're going to bring him to Jesus it's going to be a great day he's going to heal you you'll be able to run walk jump do whatever you want shout a little bit if you want it's going to be great they get to the door and nobody lets them through I mean it's so crowded so crowded, so, so what do these boys do? Well, I mean, look, um, their people are packed in, even on the outside, and it was packed tighter than a hippo in skinny jeans. Obviously, they could not get, as for you, Chris, and they could not get in, not because you're a hippo, but you like those one-liners, all right? Man, I'm glad that worked. I practiced that one-liner for like an hour. Because you know how bad it would be to do that one-liner and it would fall flat? But thank God it worked twice. Let's go home. <laughs> Those guys had been like us. They'd have probably said, well, I'm sorry. We did our best to bring you to Jesus. I guess now is not the time. But not these boys. These were revolutionary boys. They said, look, we didn't come this far to stop now. So what can we do? And they looked up. Because on the outside of the flat-roofed houses where people lived, they were about six foot tall on the inside. And there were grass and, and some different things on top, real easy to tear apart. But there was also always stairs outside, which were more like ladders, because the family that was in residence would use the upstairs sometimes to sleep because it would be cooler. They would use it sometimes to eat uh, because it was... A... Now, the thing I'm looking at this, the guys come and they change their perspective. They were looking at, how do I get in the door? And the door was disappearing 
disappointing them. But what I see in this is that they had to look up. They had to get a different perspective. And maybe what the Lord is saying to you today, you've been trying to get somebody to Jesus and the ready door is not working. Maybe you need to look a little higher and say, is there another way that we can get him to Jesus, get my kids to Jesus, get my friends to Jesus? So Jesus is teaching. All of a sudden, debris begins to fall on Jesus as they're tearing the dirt apart and, and uh, dirt falls upon him. And then pretty soon, it's not just a little bit. There's daylight and there's no use to try to teach because everybody's straining upward looking like, what's going on? And you can imagine what Peter's doing. What in the is going on? Uh, tearing up my roof. Who's doing that? Do you know how long that took me to put that up? And, and, and I just can't believe that they would do that. These boys didn't ask permission. I want you to consider this scene through the eyes of Jesus. He looked up. When Jesus saw everything that was going on, he didn't say, hey, you guys are out of order. This is not a healing service. Some of the greatest miracles of Jesus happen, happens when we least expect them. Jesus looked up and he saw their faith. He saw their faith. So, so that says to me, my faith affects other people who is it you've given up on who is it that years ago you prayed that they would come to Jesus and you would pray that that, that they would belong somewhere in a church and make a difference with their family and their marriage but it seems like the more you prayed the farther away they got and you've lost faith to even be able to see them but not these boys they had Jesus saw their faith I mean they could have said you know what if our paralyzed friend wants to meet Jesus, let him figure out how to get there for himself. I'll just pray for him. Uh, isn't that what you've been doing for some people? In the back of your mind, you pray for them. But how have you actively built a bridge to them? How have you tried to be there as a friend? How have you tried to invite them into church or invite them into We don't want to just bring people to church. That's not our goal. We want to bring people to Jesus. This church is not about me, it's not about people, but it's about bringing people to a place where their lives can be changed and they can find a decent meal, okay? All right. Or they could have said, you know, it's just too much effort. Uh, maybe Jesus will get to him someday. Jesus will go where he is. Or maybe they thought, could have thought, well, if we try to get him to Jesus... He might get mad at us and think we're trying to push Jesus down at church, down his throat. So we'll just leave him alone and believe Jesus someday will touch him. What if? What if you're to be a, four, a friend, one of the four people, people that you know? It's not an accident that you know the people that you know that you rub shoulders with them. Some of you in the business world, some of you at school, some of you in your community. I mean, people are around you, and many of them don't know Christ, or they don't belong anywhere. They feel like an outsider. Or they're struggling with addictions. They're struggling with marital issues, struggling with their kids, struggling with a sickness. And of all the people in the world, Jesus decided, I'm going to put Vance in this place. I'm going to put Andrew in this place. I'm going to put uh, Bob 
in this place. Why? So that you can be the influence, the hand of Jesus reaching out to someone that needs him. And so sometimes we just say, well, I, I just think eventually, 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 eventually. But these men, Jesus saw their faith. They put, they put feet to their prayers and their hopes. They brought him to Jesus. They didn't just invite him. They didn't just tell them about Jesus. But these men worked together. I, I don't know how they did it. I mean, I don't know what size he was, how big he was, or all of that. But the four of them realized Getting him to Jesus is bigger than just me. I need your help. Will you help me? Will you help me in this? And so they came together and they said, well, you get that end, I'll get this end, we'll get this, and we'll pick him up and we'll carry him there. That's a picture of the church. That's a picture that God has sent us to people that are on stretchers outside the walls of this church. See, sometimes we say, oh, we want people to come. But before we want people to come, we've got to be able to go. Jesus said, go into all the world. I mean, God's name is God, and two-thirds of his name is G-O, go! Outside the four walls of this church, where you live. You've been praying for a mission opportunity. You've been praying for a field. You've been praying for it. And the Lord is saying today to you, I put you strategically where I have because there are people that are confused. There are people that are looking for answers, but they don't even know the answers are Jesus. It's, it's not, and some of them have got turned off by churches and they got turned off by all of that. But when it says that Jesus saw their faith, saw their faith. And then second of all, Jesus looked down. Jesus looked down at the man. He saw that his entire life has been disappointment, he, and, but the man's learned to deal with it. Well, I, you know, I, I guess I'll never be like anybody else, and so I'll just deal with it. Some of your friends are saying, you know what? I'll never be like Casey. I'll never be able to have a relationship with God like that, so I'll just let's deal with where I am. My life would never fit. God would never want me people all around us that have learned to deal with their addiction, deal with their issues instead of knowing that there is a Jesus who left the glory of heaven to come to this earth to walk among men. They didn't have to go looking for Jesus. Jesus came back to Capernaum. Jesus came back into the house. And all they had to do is to get where they'd heard that Jesus was. I feel the spirit of the Lord here today, don't you? And I feel like every Sunday the Lord is here so that when I bring someone, when I invite someone, when I do my best to, to bring someone, that they're going to find the presence of the Lord. While everybody else is looking, and I don't know, I've often thought about, I thought this in between services. Because sometimes when I read the Bible, I, 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 I like to see it in my mind. And, and I see these guys with four ropes, I mean, trying to navigate up the steps. That's one thing. How do you balance everything out? You ever thought what it'd be like the paralytic who's on the mat, and they're saying, we're going to go up the steps now? And he's saying, hey, how are you guys going to do that? We don't know how we're going to do it, but we're just going to do it. How are you going to get them to? We don't know how, but we're going to get it. We're going to get them there. And so they bounce. They get him up the roof. And then they tear open, and then I can just see them letting down the rope. But then they realize the rope is too short for the six foot. And so maybe like he's still three foot up. So what do you do? He's in limbo land. So we do what? We just 
drop him and hope everything gets all right. I don't know. When we get to heaven, we can sort of look at that, uh, that, uh, that one on TV. And Jesus looked down at him. He saw something that everybody else didn't see. That the man's real issue was he was dealing with sin. He said, listen, you, know, you might want to write this down because this is so very important. While everybody, sometimes, sometimes God bypasses what you desire to give you what you need. Sometimes God bypasses what you desire or want to give you what you really need. Sometimes we come and say, oh, I need, I, I, I need healing. I, 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 need, I, I, I need finances. I, I want a husband. I want a wife. I want a new job. But maybe, just maybe, you're not ready for the blessing that God wants to give to you. Maybe Jesus sees a work in you to be done so that when you receive your miracle, you'll know how to deal with it. You say, we're supposed to prepare ourselves for marriage, right? It's not just, well, it'll just happen when we get there. No, you go through counseling, you prepare yourself. You know, I was talking to a couple this week that are going to get married, and, and I said, you know, you went through some time with Tim. What'd you learn? And they both said, we learned to see the other person through, we learned to see through their eyes. Because you see, sometimes we only see through our eyes, but we have to understand that person is different than me. What are we saying? You have to sometimes prepare to be the person that God wants to bless you. Maybe God has some of the greatest miracles for you you've ever had, but right now he's working on the spiritual you before he can bless you with the financial you because if he blessed you financially, you'd just squander it and spend it the way you've always done something else. Or I was watching, there's a lot of weird things on TV, right? I was watching Moonshiners. How to make moonshine in Tennessee. It's funny. It's just listen to them. So I, I, I don't make moonshine, okay? I let the sun shine, but no moonshine. And so the guy says, yeah, today's my wedding. Everybody's going to show up. I've already been through a few wives, but I hope this one sticks. You see, we'd like to find that perfect somebody. But man, we've got issues. And they're spiritual issues. So Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. Afiatai. In other words, let go of your sins. Jesus says, I'm sending your sin away. I'm sending your sin away. But literally it's saying, forgiven are your sins. And it's in the Greek, it's in what we call the aorist tense, which means it's an accomplished fact. It wasn't something he had to work on. It was a done deal, a done deal. And so then the religious people are sitting there and they're thinking in their mind, oh, this is not good. He's acting like God. Who can forgive sins but God? I'm, they're thinking what I'm saying. I wish I was a ventriloquist. I would do that, but, but I'm not. And Jesus perceived through the Holy Spirit what they were thinking. You see, it starts with what you're thinking. 
It's an attitude, and then it becomes an action. A critical nature starts, first of all, with your thoughts. And then your thoughts become your attitude, and then you become that negative, critical, whiny, hiney in life that's always looking at something that's negative. So Jesus says to him, them, Oh, I hear you in your mind saying, Who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus said, Which is easier? To say to this guy, Be healed, arise, take up your bed and walk? Or to say, Your sins are forgiven? Well, the easiest thing would be, right, to say, your sins are forgiven. I mean, how, how would you know? How can you prove that? But Jesus said, to prove to you that I am who you've just said, I am God. I said to him, your sins are forgiven you. And now to prove I had the authority to say your sins are sent away from you, I'm saying to him now, get up. Get on your feet, roll up your mat, and I want you to go home changed. I want you to be able to walk that. And so Jesus said, if you want to see that, you're right. I am the Son of God, and I've come to set people free. Jesus immediately healed a man. So now, on the back side of your notes today, I want you to look at some lessons from this passage. Lesson number one is simply this. Care enough to be a bringer. Would you write that on there? Say, be a bringer. Everybody ought to be a bringer, a bringer, a bringer. Yeah, everybody ought to be a bringer. Look at your neighbor and say, are you a bringer? Look at that mat that's there. Who's your one? And I know we have a lot of people that we'd like to bring to Jesus. But who's your one? Who's that one that you could focus on? And, and really, the Holy Spirit has already laid somebody on your heart. You thought, oh, wow, the Lord set me in their life for a reason. Would you write their name down? I, uh, I wrote this guy's name down. Every week, I'm following up. Every week, I'm doing everything that I can because I'm going to bring him to Jesus Christ. Not necessarily just bring him to the church, but I'm going to bring him to Jesus. It doesn't matter how far he goes away, I'm going to bring him to Jesus. I'm going to go outside the four walls of this church. I'm investing in his life. I'm inviting him. I'm dealing with issues. Uh, the other day, it was, I saw that there was something that he's going through, and I texted him, and I said, hey, I want you to know Whatever it is, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here for you. You want to grab some coffee? Well, yeah, well, I appreciate you you're doing that. And so we've been talking back and forth. But you see, before we can bring, sometime we have to go outside the four walls. Outside the four walls of this church. See, and so you, there's people in your life that the Lord has laid on your heart for you to bring them to him, to bring them to him to bring them to him. Dream with me. What would it feel like? What would it look like if this year, 2022, you would be able to bring that person 
see Jesus do a miracle in their life. And I, I've already seen it in my mind. My friend, I've seen how to change his life. I've seen how to change his business. And I've seen the thousands of people that he will change because of Jesus. And when I get to heaven, I don't care how many people say, boy, uh, that was a great sermon you preached. That was good. I want people to say, you know what? I want to thank you for not giving up on me and getting me to Jesus. But because of you, I was able to reach my friends, able to reach my family, and now we can spend eternity. But the sad thing with many of us is that we have, in theology, we have what we call redemption, and we, we lift up and we're, we're redeemed, but then we lose contact with people that are lost. I mean, who, who in the world that is not a believer are you building a bridge to? Are you investing in? Are you loving and caring, having a meal with? I'm not saying go to the bar and get drunk with them, right? Okay. But I'm just saying, who is it? Redemption and lift in theology is that we're, re- we're lifted up, we're redeemed, and then we're set in a different situation, and we're not reaching back to people that are lost. In a, in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at that, about how that Matthew, immediately after he became a follower of Jesus, he said, I don't know how I can handle this. Can I throw a party? You know, uh, can, I do, can I throw a party and invite you, Jesus? Because I, I don't want to just turn my back on those people that have been in my life for a long time, but I want to be able to reach back and I want to take their hand and your hand and I want to put them together and I don't have to have all the answers. I know that you do if you show me how to bring them to you. Thank you for that golf clap. We feel guilty, don't we? Not condemned, but we feel guilty. Because we're not going we're not reaching. We're just hoping they'll make it. Here's the second thing. Second lesson today is that identify your four. Identify your four. Let's be real. Look at that picture there. There are times that when we all feel like a paralytic and we're laid out on a stretcher. Would you just write your name in there on that second one? Just put me or Terry. Don't put Terry if that's not your name. Just put your name there. Because sometimes we all feel like that, whether it's real or not, we're laid on a mat and can't move. There's no way I can move any closer to Jesus. I've done everything I can by myself. Who's your for? Who's your four? Who are the four that no matter what would happen in your life, they've got your back? I mean, everybody else can give up on you, but they're not going to give up on you. Would you write their name on each of those ropes? Just write your four down. Who are they? Who are you for? That no matter what happens, they wouldn't judge you. But they'd be there to grab a rope and to hold you up. You say, but what if I don't have four, Terry? 
And my question is, why not? Are you feel so self-secure that you don't need anybody else? Get ready, because you're going to come to a crushing understanding some things in life you can't handle by yourself. Who's your four? You say, well, I don't have four. Why don't you have four? Have you not build, been building a relationship? That's one of the reasons we have life groups. I hope you sign up in those life groups. I got some guys in the life group that I'm part of. I know that whatever I, what, whatever I call out, they would, they would be there to help. That didn't happen overnight. It became through building relationships. Who are you building a relationship with? Some of you, your main relationships are people outside of Christ. So when you get in a crisis and you're laid out flat, what do they say? Let's go get drunk. Try this joint. Dump that witch and get you another one. You've spent all your life building relationships with people that really can't carry you to Jesus. Who are your four? You say, well, I don't really have four. Well, write your name on there and then write Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That'll give you four, okay? At least you can do that if you have one. But who's your four? I'm really serious about this today. Who's your four? And number three, get up off your mat. Get up off your mat in obedience. What is the Lord saying to you? What is he saying to you that you need to get up off your mat and go do? What is it that he's saying that you can do what you've not been able to do before? What is he saying to you that you can do what you've not been able to do before? So here's my next steps today, and you can write one of these on your connection card. What is your next step today? Maybe it's to bring your one next week. To bring your one next week. Maybe you can bring your one next week. Say, you know what? I'm going to do everything I can to bring my one next week. And if not next week, the week after, I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to build a bridge. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to invite them. I'm going to use the invite cards to make a difference. And the second thing I might ask you to do is do this. Connect with my four and let them know how much I appreciate them. If you've got four people, I want you to this week make a contact with them. A phone call, a face-to-face, a text, and say, you know what? I heard this great teaching. You know, you can lie a little bit. I heard this great teaching at church today. And it's about, uh, you know, the guys who let the, the man down on the mat. And there were four guys that did that. There were four guys that cared enough to go beyond anything else to bring him to Jesus. And you know what? I wrote your name down as one of my four. Because I believe that no matter what happens in my life, you got my back. Now, I know that some of us, we used to think we had four. Four. But then we realized They weren't really helping to carry our mat. They were riding our mat to try to get where we were going, not so they could help us, but they could get what they wanted. And when they didn't get what they wanted, what do they do? They drop the rope outside the door and leave you, and you can't even get home yourself. And so what do we do? We say, I'm not going to trust anymore. I'm not going to let people get close to me anymore. I'm going to keep, I'm not going to get hurt again. I'm going to tell you, 
You're not going to make it in life without your forehead. And then in obedience, do what you haven't been able to do. What's God saying to you? And the, and the Lord said to him, roll up your mat and take it home. He didn't say just leave it. I don't think that's because he didn't want junk left in Peter's house. But I think what he was saying, roll up what used to carry you. And you carry it. And you put it in a place in your home so that every morning you get up and you look at it and you say, that's who I used to be. This is who I am now because of Jesus Christ. See, some of us are so ashamed of our past, we never want to talk about it. But you see, you'll identify with people you rub shoulders with every day when you say to them, you know what? I spoke in tongues for 30 minutes last week. They'll say, weird. But if you say to them, you know, I can't really completely say I know what you're going through. But let me tell you what I went through once. And let me tell you how Jesus changed my life. It's the mat underneath your arm that's part of your testimony. It's your past and your present that reflects into the future of what God wants to do in your life. Could I pray for you, Father? I pray for those that are here today and those that are watching online. Lord, that we'd care enough to be a bringer. And the Lord, that we would identify our four and let them know how much we appreciate them. And Lord, this week in obedience, we would do what you ask us to do. As you continue to pray today, maybe you're here and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life. You don't even know how to make the start. Jesus realized we could never get to God on our own. See, when God created heaven, a beautiful place, he didn't create it to just be for himself and the angels, but he created it for us to be in relationship with him and be there. But because of sin in our life, it separates us from him. And Jesus didn't want you to be left out. So he came to your Capernaum. He actually even came to your home where you are. And he's present. He went to the cross to die for your sins. On the third day, he was resurrected so that we could have a fresh start, a new beginning, new life. And maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Terry, man, I need Jesus. I need him in my life. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. And I want to pray with you today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you feel bad, but I want to pray with you today. So if that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Terry, that's me. I need that prayer today. I need that. I need that. And those of you that are watching online, the same thing. Would you just raise your hand right where you are, saying, Jesus, I need you in my life today. Let me lead you in a prayer. I can give you the words, but you have to give the heart. Would you pray it with me? Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next.
Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build.